to the Lord. <clears throat> Appreciate very much your presence this morning, and um, we want to continue this morning our study in the, uh, the book of Daniel, which I apologize, I don't think we have screens turned on. <laughs> so let me try to do that real quick. <clears throat> but while those are coming on, I want to uh, just quickly talk about, so we've, we've covered a lot over the last few months and over the last year, starting back with, with David. And we looked at the life of David, and then we looked at the prophecies of Isaiah, and now we've moved into Daniel, and everything in, those, in that time period builds one upon another. And, and the, uh, the study, the chapter of the... Uh, chapter this morning um, is certainly uh, builds upon that and it, this is very much a pivotal a pivotal chapter clean the filter okay um, <laughs> let me let me get to the right place here where this hopefully will I can get this on the screen. Slideshow, there we go. Nothing yet. Well, we may have to do this the old-fashioned way. I can see the screen. I'm, I'm hoping at some point you'll be able to see it too. Um, but last week, or last month, we actually started in Daniel chapter 1, and we talked about the historical events that led up to that, including prophecies. And of course, Daniel chapter 1 talks about the captivity of the tribe of Judah. And we talked about there were three different times that captives were taken out of Judah. And uh, Daniel chapter 1 talks about the first of those instances when Nebuchadnezzar, who was the son of the, the king at that time of Babylon, Babylon was becoming a world power. And Nebuchadnezzar had fought a battle with the Egyptians in a place called Carchemish. And after that battle, he continued his march to Jerusalem. And he besieged the city. And he was given instructions to take out of the city, taken of captives of the Jews, young men who would be able to serve in the king's palace, who would be able to serve the king. And you may have to give me some help here. <laughs> um, Justin, see if you can get this working i'm probably not doing something that's really simple <clears throat> or maybe it's just frozen maybe that's the problem <clears throat> there we go thank you <clears throat> and so among those who were taken captive of course were daniel and his his fellows who whose babylonian names we know them best by as shadrach meshach and abednego and so we were introduced to them in daniel chapter one and what we find there, there is that they went through a period of three years of training so that they could serve in the, in the king's palace. And during that time, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the son of the king, actually assumed the throne. And so his father died, and he became the king of Babylon. And so when we come to Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. He's now the king of Babylon, and in fact, uh, we find that he is in the second year of his, of his reign. Um, so, but just quickly, we're, we're going to cover a lot of territory this morning. I'm going to, I can't really stand on anything for too long. I can't spend a lot of time explaining a lot. So we're going to go through quick, go through this pretty quickly. So, 
So buckle your seatbelts. Uh, this is probably going to go uh, somewhat faster than I'm accustomed to going. So, uh, you know, if you just have to bear with me if I, if I get ahead of myself a little bit. Um, but kind of the, the outline of what we're going to cover, first of all, is Nebuchadnezzar's dream and demand. And so that probably gives you a clue. You're probably very familiar, many of you, with this chapter already. So you know what events are going to take place here. We're going to look at Daniel's response to Nebuchadnezzar's dream and his demands. And then we're going to talk about the, that, what that dream was and what the interpretation of that dream was. We're going to look at what an amazing prophecy this was and then the glory that is given to God because of that. And let me just say at the outset again, when you look at all the chapters of the Bible and all the events of the Bible, every single word is important. Every single word of God's word is important. There are certain things, though, that stand out as a pivotal or transitional moment. And to me, Daniel chapter 2 is one of those transitional, very important hot thing that stands out as something that grabs your attention and something that we need to be very familiar with. And the other thing we're going to talk about that is also very transitional and very important is the reading that was given to, uh, to Brother Caleb did for us this morning. And thank you, Brother Caleb, for that reading because Daniel chapter 2 is pivotal. Acts chapter 2 is very pivotal. And we're going to talk about how those tie in together as we go through here. Um, first of all, we've, we've gone through this, and I know this is hard to see. This is a list of all the kings of Judah. Start, starting back with the, uh, the United Kingdom under Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Uh, David, who, of course, we studied his life. The second king, Solomon. The third king, we know the kingdom then that divided. And you can follow the line of kings from that point of both uh, Israel and Judah. But the kings of Judah were the descendants of David. And so these were, this were, these were the descendants through whom the Messiah was going to come. And, you know, that takes us back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, where David is wanting to build the temple for God. And God tells him through Nathan the prophet that he's not going to be allowed to build that temple, but God is going to build a house for him. And through his descendants is going to come a very important person, and that person is the Messiah or the Christ. He says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your father, speaking to David, I will set up a seed after you who will come from your body. I will establish his, his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and it will establish the, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So to David is promised that one of his descendants is going to have a kingdom that will be eternal. And that's the promise, of course, that we know of Christ. Now, that's very important because today we're going to, God's going to zero us in very specifically on when that's going to happen. And that he's going to do that through this man named Nebuchadnezzar. So the first part we're going to look at is Nebuchadnezzar's dream and his demand. Now, in the second year of, ne of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. So We've all had troubling dreams in our lives, things that we may wake up in the middle of the night scared or, or exhausted or whatever because some, a dream was very real to us. Well, this dream was like that to Nebuchadnezzar, but it was more than that because this dream was given to him by God for a specific reason. This dream was, was something that was going to foretell. It was going to prophesy about events that were going to come, and so so this was a very special dream that was given to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king of his dream. So when he wakes up, what does he do? He goes to his go-to guys. 
These are the counselors. These are the guys who profess to have supernatural abilities. And they're always, you know, proclaiming this to the king. And they're, they're, they're his respected and uh, looked to counselors. And so the first thing he does is he calls these people together. And he says, they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. So what this implies, again, first of all here is that he's asking them to tell them what the dream is and to tell him what the, what the dream means. So, so these are the, the go, his go-to guys. Among these people we noticed, and we're going to find out, was not Daniel. One of the things we found in Daniel chapter 1 was that after Daniel and his fellows were, had gone through their training they, and they came before the king, that he found them more reliable and, and to exhibit more wisdom than all of his other counselors. But they weren't his go-to guys right now. They weren't there yet. So he goes to these guys first. And the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. Now, first of all, when we look at that list of who he called, there were different classes of these people. But all of them, just because we don't have time to elaborate on what those mean, basically, again, they, they professed supernatural powers, or they were the learned class. They were the educated class of people. And when they spoke to, to Nebuchadnezzar, they said they spoke to him in Aramaic. And what's interesting about this if you look at the book of Daniel, and of course we, we see it in English, but when it was originally written, the first chapter 1 and up to this point is written in Hebrew. But from here through the end of chapter 7, it's written in Aramaic because that is the language of the people who, who he was surrounded by. What that tells us is that Daniel became very fluent, of course, in the, in the language of the, uh, the Chaldeans or the language of the Babylonians. And so when not only were the Hebrews going to be able to read this, but so were the, the people of, of Babylon. And I, and I think that's important as we go through uh, later things. And so he tells them, I need you to tell me that they, they say, tell us the dream, we'll tell you the interpretation. And the king answered and said, my decision is firm. If you do not make to, known to me the dream and the interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses will be made an ash heap. So, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's pretty, pretty stern about this, and he's serious about this, and, and these people knew that he was serious about this, that he's, he's, he's a very brutal person, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's very uh, much in power, and, and what he says, he's going to do. And so he tells me, if, tell you what, if you can't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'm gonna, you're all going to be put to death, that's basically what he says, and not only you, but your families and your house is going to be left in ashes, and However, if you tell me the dream and the interpretation, you'll receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. So you have two choices. You can do what I'm asking, and you'll be greatly rewarded. And if you can't do it, you're going to be done away with. And that's, that's just it. And they answered and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. <clears throat> so if you put yourself in these guys' shoes, what he's asking of them <laughs> is impossible, Right? We're, none of us are mind readers. Uh, none of us, without some miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit, which we do not possess in the, in the miraculous sense that, these, that, that people have in the past, they couldn't do this. There's no way they could do this. And the king answered and said, for a certain, <clears throat> the king answered and said, I know for a certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. All you're trying to do is buy time. You're trying to delay and hope I'm going to, Forget about this, but this, that's not going to work, he says. If you don't make known to me the dream, there's one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall make known. And there, 
I shall know that you can give me the interpretation. If you can tell me what the dream is, I know that you know what the interpretation is. If you can't tell me what the dream is, you can make up anything to tell me what the interpretation is. So I'm going to hold your feet to the fire that you say you have supernatural abilities. You tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you know the interpretation. And the Chaldeans answered and said to the king, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other one who can tell it to the king except for the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So they, they say three things. Number one, no one on earth can do what you said, what you're asking. What you're asking is unreasonable so that nobody has ever asked this of anybody before, and it's unreasonable for you to do that. And therefore, there is nobody who can do this who is a human being. This is up to, this is, this is beyond human ability. This is up to someone who is a deity. This is up to God to be able to do this. <clears throat> and what is Nebuchadnezzar's response? For this reason, the king was very angry and furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. He said, okay, off with your heads. If that's your answer, off with your heads. So he's, he gives the decree Round these people up, not only the ones who are standing here before me, but all those who have been placed as counselors of mine, go round them up and put them to death because they're no good to me because they can't do what I'm asking. And so they began, it says, the decree went out, they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them also. So there's part one. There's the, there's the dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and his demand. Now let's look at Daniel's response to this and then with counsel and wisdom Daniel answered so they found Daniel they come to Daniel and they and what do they do they they're rounding him up where are we going you're going to the gallows or to to wherever it is they're going to put him to death in whatever manner they're going to put him to death and Arioch the captain of the king's guard Daniel answered him with counsel and wisdom and who had gone out so the first so we see Daniel's response here Daniel's response if you can put yourself in that situation, you have no idea what's going on. All of a sudden, the police are at your door, or in this case, the, captain's, the, the captain of the guard, and he says, guess what? You've been, con you've been convicted. You're going to be put to death. <laughs> You're going, what? What? What is going on? What does this mean? And so, you know, you can imagine there, there's, there wouldn't, potentially there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of panic, there's a lot of questioning, but it says that Daniel answered with wisdom and with prudence and so you know it takes us back to Daniel chapter 1 and we talked about that God had given wisdom to Daniel and his fellows that when he they stood before Nebuchadnezzar they dis, they displayed this wisdom and this prudence and we talked about the importance of asking God so what Daniel's response tells us about his relationship with God that he was not he didn't panic he, was, he did not respond with great emotion, but he responded with wisdom. And that wisdom was founded in his faith in God. Regardless of what's going on, I know that God's in control. I know that I'm his. I know he's going to take care of me. Even if they put me to death, I know eternally I'm his. And so there was not fear. There was not great fear in, in the heart of David, but he, but he responds with wisdom. It takes us back to James chapter 1, the instruction to us, if we lack wisdom, ask God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given him the promise that God, when we go to him in faith and ask for wisdom in any situation, that when we ask in faith in accordance to his will, he's going to give us that wisdom to discern how we should act in that situation. And again, Daniel 1, 17 talked about, For these young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, 
And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Oh, what was that last part? And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Huh, wonder why God gave him that ability. <laughs> oh, God was preparing him, wasn't he? There was something that was fixing to happen. That was going to be very important for Daniel to have that ability. Why? Because God's providence was in play here, right? From the very beginning of this, God's providence was in play. And we talked about the, prov- the promises that God, the, the prophecies about why they would be taken into captivity, the purpose of that, the fact that it was going to happen because God was in control and God had a plan. And God's plan was he was going to bring the Christ in the way, that, in the way according to his plan into this world for the salvation of mankind. And this was a part of that plan. He was preserving a remnant of the people of God, the chosen people of Israel, those who were faithful. We talked about in chapter 1 that the people of God, the children of Israel, had become worse than the people who had occupied the land of Canaan before they conquered it, the Canaanites. They were worse than them. God said, I've had enough. But there was still a remnant who were faithful to God. There was a remnant that he was going to preserve, who, was, who would be preserved in Babylon and who would someday go back and establish the true worship of God in Jerusalem. And not only that, who would ultimately become their descendants, the nucleus of the kingdom of God, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But, so God was preparing Daniel. You know, think about that. When we go through hard times and our faith is tested, God is preparing us for greater things. Remember that. Always remember that, that when we are faithful to God and we, we um, go through difficult times, when we endure those things and we're faithful through those times that God is strengthening us, he's building us, he's preparing us for challenges that we're going to face later so that we can be his instruments in this world so that we can be of service to him in greater ways. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch made known the decision to Daniel so that Daniel went and asked the king to give him time that he might learn the, give the king the dream and the interpretation. So what does Daniel do? He goes to his house. He made known the decision to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we know them otherwise, his companions, that they might seek the mercies of, from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what did they do? They went, he went to his house, and what did they do? They prayed. They went to God in prayer, and this was an earnest prayer. And this, this was not a short prayer because the next verse tells us that God answers their prayer, but it's in the night vision. So it's, it's some probably hours later <clears throat> that they've been praying, that they've been uh, beseech, beseeching God to give them this wisdom, to give them an understanding. And, and it says that then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So God answered this prayer. God had prepared Daniel for this. This was a part of God's plan. Daniel and his fellows were faithful in their faith to God, that God would provide, and God answered their prayers. And God, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives, gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. 
God's providence is in play. God's will is being done. <clears throat> and when we, when we ask according to His will, Brother Franklin talked about this last Sunday, that He's going to answer that prayer. He's going to give us what we need in service to Him. The Bible says, He who did not withhold from you His own Son, how would He withhold anything from you that you need in serving Him here? And He won't. He'll provide us those things when we ask for them. Daniel's response is, he goes to God in prayer, and when the prayer is answered, thanksgiving. He immediately gives God the thanks and the praise for what he's done in answering that prayer. He says, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells in him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. So the praise that is due to God and that we remember when God when we have good things happen in our lives, when God answers our prayers, when He brings us through those difficult times, that we remember to give Him thanks, to give Him the praise and the honor and the glory for all that He does. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. <clears throat> so Arioch comes before Nebuchadnezzar and takes credit for finding Daniel, <laughs> which is not that unusual. Um, but the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, his Babylonian name, are you able to make known to me the to me, the dream which I have seen and its interpretation. Are you able to do this, Daniel? Everybody else said it's impossible. Everybody else said that I was unreasonable in asking this. Can you really do this? Then Daniel's response was, Daniel answered and said in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. What you did ask of them was impossible of them. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. <clears throat> what you've asked of men is impossible, but understand that what, but what has been given to you came from God, and it is only he who can reveal this to you. And it is he that does reveal this to you. Not only has he given you a dream, he's, he's told you, he's showing you what's going to happen in the future. And in fact, he refers to the latter days. And when we see that reference in the Old Testament, it's a reference to the time of Christ. It's a reference to what the, the New Testament calls the last days, which is the times that we live in now. <clears throat> the times of the kingdom of God. And Daniel answered in the presence of the king, so we, we won't rehearse that again. And so Daniel says, Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these, as for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while you were on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what it will be. So you were thinking about, wondering what's going to happen in the future. God gave you this vision to show you what's going to happen. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. It's not because of me. It's not because of me, Daniel. It's not me who does this, but it's God. But for our sakes who have made known the interpretation to you, the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So this was, again, Daniel not taking the glory, but giving the glory to God. <clears throat> so now let's talk about the dream and its meanings. 
its meaning. So Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 45. <clears throat> you, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, and the great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. So he said, you saw this great image that was standing before you in your dream, and the image had a head of fine gold, and its chest and its arms were of silver, and its belly and its thighs were of bronze, its legs and its iron its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So this is an artist's rendition of what that may have looked like, and there's a lot of these out there. But He said, but as you watched, a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on the feet of iron and clay, and it broke them into pieces. And the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And so he, you saw this image, he, he describes it. A stone strikes it, though, and basically disintegrates it into dust, and it vanishes away. And the stone that was, had struck the image became a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. <clears throat> this is the dream, and now we will tell the interpretation. So this is what you dreamed, Nebuchadnezzar. This was the vision that you had. Here's the interpretation. You, O king, are a king of kings. God had given Nebuchadnezzar great power. In fact, Jeremiah said that, that, Babel, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the minister of God. He was the servant of God to bring about the things God was going to, wanted to happen. So he gave them, him the ability to conquer all the nations around him, including Judea, including Judah, and to take them captive. All this was according to God's plan, and God had made him a king over kings, a king of kings. For God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory, and wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand. He has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. He had a great empire. He was very powerful, but again, it was by God's divine providence that this happened. <clears throat> And that tells us something. Every nation under heaven is there by God's providence, by God's um, willingness to allow them to exist. It's by His power that, that, that people reign and rule. It's by power that nations are established. It's by, by God's power that this nation that we live in today and the freedoms and the, th the things that we have here today, that's by God's power and by His providence. But by all what this chapter also tells us is that the kingdoms of earth are going to pass away. There's none that are eternal. There's none that are going to last forever, <clears throat> including Nebuchadnezzar's. So he said, you are this head of gold. When you looked at this image, the head of gold was the representation of the Babylonian Empire, and the Babylonian Empire lasted from 626 B.C. to 539 B.C. It would be within the lifetime of Daniel that you would see this, them overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. In fact, in Daniel 5, we'll, we'll read about that. He said, But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. So a succession of world powers. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, and as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush the others. So, again, this was a succession of kingdoms. And when... And actually, the first three of these kingdoms are identified in the book of Daniel. And as we go through, we'll read about that. And, he, and those are the Babylonian Empire. And there's the dates 
of, of the, the Babylonian Empire. The Medes and the Persians became the next world power. They were in power from 539 B.C. to 330 B.C. And following that, Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire basically conquered the world. And that empire lasted from 330 B.C. to 63 B.C., which then brought into power what we know as the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, the first Caesar, um, was actually, uh, became king around, I think it was 15 B.C., um, which was Augustus, but the actual Roman Empire began somewhere around 63 B.C., lasted to 476 A.D. So this, was, this is what God was showing you, Nebuchadnezzar. These are the things that are going to happen. But what's more important than that? He said, well, let's get to that part. He's going to talk about that Roman Empire. I'm actually going to skip over this right now because we're going to get to this in more detail later. But he gives more description here about the Roman Empire and the fact that there was weakness there that was caused by the fact that they were not united. Um, they went and conquered peoples, but the people who they conquered didn't have really any devotion to them, and there were constant uprising, including the Jewish people, uh, which ultimately would result in their destruction that Brother Monty spoke about and Brother Ian the last couple of Wednesdays that would come to pass. Um, but this is more description on that Roman Empire. And he's talking about these kings when he says, And in the days of these kings, the days of the Roman Empire, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. <clears throat> the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So he says, In the days of these kings, in the days of the Roman Empire. So in that succession of kings, in that fourth empire, in the days of that fourth empire, God's going to establish an eternal kingdom. What did we read back in the beginning? <clears throat> that God had told David. He said, I'm going to establish an eternal kingdom for your descendant who's going to sit on your throne forever, who's going to rule <clears throat> eternally in the eternal kingdom, one of your descendants. And so now he's talking about when that kingdom's going to come into place. In the days of these kings. <clears throat> And as much as you saw, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. As sure as I'm standing here, this is going to happen. And the time frame that I'm telling you, it's going to happen. That's an amazing prophecy. <clears throat> Some... 500, almost 600 years before the establishment of the kingdom of God. This amazing prophecy and this timeline is given to a, to a uh, pagan king through a, through a prophet in a foreign land. So God's prophecy, God's providence so evident in everything that we read here in the Old Testament. Did God establish an eternal kingdom in the days of the Roman kings? Did it happen? Indeed it did. Indeed it did. And for the last few minutes, let's talk about, at a very high level, the establishment of the kingdom of God according to the timeline that God had given to Nebuchadnezzar through Daniel. In Luke, the third chapter, in the first verse, the Scripture says, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Who was Tiberius Caesar? He was the second Roman emperor. It was in the days of the Roman kings, wasn't it? Pontius Pilate became governor of Judea. Herod became tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip, tetrarch of Aturia in the region of 
Trachonitis and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene. So this just talks about how the governors were set up over the different providences of that, that made up Judea and the surrounding area. But what it tells us is we're in the days of the Roman kings. We're in the time that God had told Nebuchadnezzar that the eternal kingdom would be established. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time is right. Watch the preaching of the prophet of God. The last of the Old Testament prophets was John the Baptist. The last of the prophets before the, the kingdom of God came into place was John the Baptist, the one who came to prepare the way. And what was his message? Repent for that eternal kingdom is here. It's at hand. It's almost here. And when Jesus began his personal ministry, Matthew chapter 4, he says, From that time began Jesus to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus talked about the nature of the kingdom when he stood before Pilate, John 18 and 36. Jesus answering, speaking to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. This eternal kingdom that God had promised was not going to be an earthly kingdom. It was an eternal kingdom. It was a spiritual kingdom. Jesus clarifies this further for us in Luke chapter 17. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said to them, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God would be in the people of God because that is where Christ the Messiah would reign in the hearts of men and women who became a part of his kingdom that he would establish. In Matthew the 16th chapter, Jesus refers to that kingdom as something else that we're familiar with. And I say unto you, we know that when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and his disciples, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Jesus has been healing, he's been preaching, his fame has gone abroad, and people are wondering, who is this man? And he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And some say, some say that you're one of the Old Testament prophets brought back to life. Some say that you're John the Baptist brought back to life, because at this point, John had been put to death. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, speaking for the group, said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. What you have just spoken was given to you by God. This understanding that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. He says, and I say unto you, you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. This truth, this confession that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. Notice the interchangeable use of the word church. In the word kingdom, I'm going to establish my church. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And through those keys, the doors to the kingdom are going to be opened. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In Mark the ninth chapter, Jesus says this to those who were present. I surely I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power, come with power. He says, in your lifetimes, you're going to see the, the kingdom of God come with power. There were some of those who would not be around for that. 
specifically Judas Iscariot, but the rest would be. And they would witness what Daniel had prophesied, the coming of that kingdom. In Acts, the first chapter, following the death, the burial, and the resurrection, resurrection of Christ, as he's with his disciples, as he's, a, he's getting ready to ascend to heaven, he tells them this, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They still didn't understand the, the nature of the kingdom. They were still looking for the kingdom of God to become an earthly kingdom, and Jesus is going to tell them more about it. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or season which the Father has put under his own authority, but you shall receive power. This is his answer. You're going to receive power from on high through when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witness of, uh, witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. <clears throat> so everything is set up. Everything has come to this point. And everything takes place. Everything comes together in Acts, the second chapter. All of those prophecies, all of those promises concerning the king and his kingdom will come to pass. And we'll read about that in Acts chapter 2. And Brother Caleb read this morning what Peter told the people about Jesus. That he was that promised descendant of David who would ascend to his throne. And, and that he had, God had raised him from the dead. He was sitting on the right hand of God reigning. He was indeed Lord and Christ. And then he goes on to tell them when they hear this. So what has he done? He's preached to them the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, that he is the Messiah, the eternal king. He's sitting on his eternal throne. And they say, what shall we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. There were added unto them that same day some 3,000 souls. So what happened? Jesus said, you wait till you receive the power. He said, you're, you're gonna, there's those who are standing here who are going to witness the coming of the, the kingdom of God with power. He tells them in Acts chapter 1, you wait till you receive that power. In Acts chapter 2, they received that power. The Holy Ghost came upon them. They spoke as they were... As they were uh, led by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel of Christ. They preached that good word. They proclaimed the Messiah. They proclaimed entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And those who obeyed were added to the church, as we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And the Lord added to the church, to the kingdom, those who would be saved, those who were being saved. From this point forward, when the, when the apostles talk about the kingdom, they talk about it being present and them being in it. The Apostle Paul said, we have been transitioned from the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We are in the kingdom of God's dear Son. Back to Acts, Daniel chapter 2. I told you this was going to go fast. And then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should be present. They should present an offering and incense to him. So what's happened? Nebuchadnezzar is overwhelmed and awed by what has just happened. So Daniel showing the power of God by revealing to him the dream and the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar falls prostrate before Daniel. <laughs> the king's bowing before Daniel. And he says, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, and the revealer of secrets, since you reveal, have revealed the secret. To understand the awesomeness of the power of God. To understand the, the, how much this 
shows to us the truth of God's Word and, and how all that He's promised comes to pass and have that faith in everything He's promised that will come hereafter, that He's going to come back, that He's going to take us to heaven eternally, that He's going to deliver us up as a part of His kingdom to God and we're going to live eternally with Him. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler over the province of Babylon, the chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. We talked about last month about the, the similarities between Joseph, who was in a very transitional time for the children of Israel, and how he, how he was sent into a foreign land much like Daniel to prepare the way and to make that transition from a spiritual standpoint for the people of God, that Daniel was also in that same way here. And, and like Joseph, rises to a position of power to be uh, basically second in command over all of Babylon. And Daniel positioned the king, petitioned the king and set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. <clears throat> in a very swift manner. <laughs> that is a look at Daniel chapter 2 in the eternal kingdom. This is something that probably we're all very familiar with, but something that's very important for us to know and to understand. It's very, it's very foundational in understanding the kingdom of God and its establishment, the fact that we're a part of it, that it's not somewhere out in the future, but the kingdom has come and we're a part of it. If you're not a part of that kingdom this morning and you would like to take advantage of this opportunity to be baptized into Jesus Christ, baptized into his kingdom, to be a part of that kingdom, having your past forgiven, your future secure. We invite you to come forward or if we can assist you in prayer or any other way as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.